welcome to Big Blend Radio, where we celebrate variety and how it adds spice to quality of life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's uh, Big Daily Blend show. We love to celebrate holidays and everything like that, but um, also just really good themes of topic. So if you love horses, uh, whether or not you ride them, but you just love horses, if you're like me as a crazy little girl with my room plastered with like every horse calendar, every horse picture, I mean, from floor to ceiling, this is definitely a show for you. And if you have a general interest in horses, you're going to like this. Um, we have two experts, uh, two equestrians on our show, and both of them are authors. And I'm going to start up in uh, Three Rivers, California, uh, where we met Christy Wood quite a few years, I'd say, oh, wow, 10, 11 years ago. Uh, Christy is a world champion horse trainer. She exhibits in jumping and trail. Her students are world champions who join her on the show team. She's a winner in extreme trail obstacle challenges. She's a carded horse show judge. She also runs trail rides out uh, outside Sequoia National Park. So Three Rivers is the southern uh, gateway to Sequoia National Park and Kings Canyon. And that's where Nancy and I first met her. And we've been friends ever since. She gave us riding lessons, even though Nancy and I used to have horses. It was, you know, you don't just get back on the saddle, quite frankly. You do need to connect with the horse first. And she has um, incredible respect for the animals. And um, I encourage you to go to our website, WDNHorse.com. All the websites and, and links we talk about on the show, as always, are in the show notes. Um, but Christy is also an author. We'll talk about that in a second. But first, welcome, Christy. How are you? I am fine. Thank you for having me on again. Hey, exciting about this. Are the trail rides going to come back on, do you think, in the summer? We just yeah, we won't know until after we get through this uh, this new winter. So we were yeah. flooded out last year and we still haven't rebuilt the trails because they were still partially underwater. So we're just going to wait through this winter and see what the spring brings us. Okay. And one thing, um, not only do we know you for, um, you know, the trail rides you provide um, and also your books. And she, she's been on our shows for years talking about, um, you know, actually giving advice on being an equestrian yourself. Um, but you also are on the Chief Joseph Trail Ride. This is something, it's a 13-year progressive trail ride. So you go for about 10 days each year. And right now, Nancy and I are actually in Joseph, Oregon, which is in the northeast corner of the state. We're surrounded by snow and snow fog. Um, it's beautiful, <laughs> though. It is absolutely beautiful out here. And Chief Joseph of the Nez Perce uh, tribe is buried out here. And on our way in, I wish we had time to stop. We actually saw that there was a Nez Perce interpretive center here out just a few miles down the road. But yes. uh, welcome, uh, Christy, to uh, say, uh, to Joseph. And yes. this is your fault we're here. <laughs> well, that's we where found the ride... out he was buried here, so we came. So yeah. um, well, I know where the ride here. starts. The ride, the 1,300-mile uh, trail ride of the historic Nez Perce Trail actually starts in Joseph, Oregon. Oh, well, there you go. Hey, at least we're at the beginning. So that interpretive center, you've been there, I'm going to guess? Yes, that was uh, 19 years ago. So I might, mine might be a little bit, have a little bit of that snow fog in my mind at the moment. But uh, uh, yes, it's a beautiful interpretive center. See, when I welcome you to a snow fog, I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> welcome, you're here. Um, I, I wanted to get out to his grave. Actually, yesterday was the first time I've been able to get out. And um no, it was a little foggy. And, and so 
I'm going to definitely, no matter what, Nancy and I will go to his grave before we leave here because we must pay our respects to him. Um, I do want to get Linda Ballou on the show here. Linda is been, she's been on our show for a few years too. Um, but she also has a special podcast with us every third Wednesday at high noon. It's called Lost Angel Adventures and she's a travel writer. She's an author of multiple books, but she has traveled the world. She's an outdoor enthusiast she's a nature lover and she also is an equestrian and loves horses so i encourage you to go to her website lindabaloauauthor.com so welcome back linda how are you hi lisa it's great to be here hey it's good to have you back and give us a little background on your equestrian life because you did ride horses for quite a while well yeah i certainly don't have the credentials that christy has but uh, I am a dyed-in-the-wool horse person. You know, one, once a horse person, always a horse person. I, I didn't, uh, I, when I was a kid, I got to ride, um, you know, wild, bareback, and, you know, with the other kids <laughs> galloping along the riverbed. But I couldn't own my own horse until I was 37. So I was late in the game, but um, I loved it. Uh, you know, I... I entered three-day events, and uh, the trainers told me, and I was jumping, you know, and I was, you know, doing it all and loving it all, and the trainers kept telling me, you know, you're going to fall, that's the way it is. And so I went, well, wait a minute, why aren't you not giving me any preparation for the fall, falling? (laughs) So uh, I, my first article that I ever published was in Horse Illustrated, and the name of it was The Art of Falling. (laughs) <laughs> and I went around at, and I interviewed vaulting champions and a world-famous horse trainer, Jimmy Williams. He's no longer with us. Oh, yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, I did some uh, gymnastic work so that I could roll, you know, <laughs> when I landed. <laughs> and I created this article, and it, was, and it was picked up by Horse Illustrated. And so, um, you know, as I say, I don't have the credentials that Christy has. I don't train or do anything like that. But um, I am an adventure travel writer, and I have been hosted at guest ranches all over, uh, not not just the West, of course, Colorado and Montana, but I did a horse trek in Ecuador, and I also oh. did a, an incredible ride up in British Columbia, in the outback of British Columbia. So uh, I just love to ride. <laughs> I, I uh, and that. I also... Yeah, I've also written two books with uh, that are horse centric. Uh, the cowgirl jumped over the moon was a book that uh, is a new adult um, and a, a coming of age kind of a story. And uh, I wrote it in the process of healing from um, not a fall really, but an injury to my back, and I I couldn't uh, I couldn't keep my mare. I couldn't keep doing the jumping thing. I had to mm. pivot. So I did write that book. I had always been a writer, and so I wrote that book as my way of working through that terrible loss. You know, for mm-hmm. me, it was very traumatic because it was my whole world at the time, and yes. I so loved writing. So anyway, then uh, I became a travel writer and got you know hosted at guest ranches, and so that's that's the way I've managed to keep horses in my life. Mm. And and with the Chief Joseph Trail, um, Linda, I believe you've actually 
been to some parts right. of right, the trail right, itself. Right, right, right. I have a right in my. I love Montana, and in my explorations in Montana and research and so on, I found out about Chief Joseph uh, and the Nez Perce Trail, and I went to Wisdom, Montana, where the battle with uh, uh, Howard took place, where the military swooped down in the early dawn and you know tried to massacre his tribe, mm-hmm. but. It didn't work because the Indians in that particular instance were able to capture the howitzer, turn it on the army, and, you know, win the war. It was like one of the only battles I think they won. But it's in my book, Lost Angel Walkabout. It's called Bringing It Home in the Big Hall. And I was really moved uh, when I was physically in that place. Um, and his campground. I mean, I was really moved to tears. It was just, uh, you know, they had markings where Joseph had his tent and so on. And they have uh, little videos going on there to give you information about the the trail mm. and and that battle. Mm. So well, yeah, I, 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 that uh, trail that trail does that for you. It really it really grabs you. The spirit of the uh, Native Americans are there. And right. It's in a very emotional trail. The entire trail is that way. And, and uh, on the battles, by the way, they did win six of the eight battles. There was eight battles along Good. that trail. Yes. So oh, they, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I want to uh, just go back on, on this. Uh, Christy, <clears throat> Christy's gotten, she's got two books, Your Best Horse Show, a guide for managers and exhibitors, and also Ranger, The Little Horse with a Big Heart, which is a children's book, but adults read it too. Her latest one is Hoofprints Across Time. A Trail Ride to Remember. You can go to our website. Now, everyone's books are on Amazon, but with both the authors on our show today, Linda and Christy, we encourage you to go directly to their site and connect and purchase through them. And Christy's is WDNHorse.com. Christy, can you just kind of give an overview of um, that whole, the, the battles and what Chief Joseph went through and where this trail goes? Because part of it is part of our our National Park Service, our National Forest Service as well, right? Yes. Well, it starts in starts in Joseph, Oregon, because that's where um, Chief Joseph was residing at the time, and uh, that's when in 1877 the cavalry came in, and uh, you know we all know about our history and manifest destiny, and we're going to settle the West, and there just wasn't room for the Native Americans any longer, and so he was Chief Joseph was given the ultimatum to either move on to a smaller portion of land and live on a reservation under white man's rule, or he could, well, that was really wasn't an alternative. Uh, Howard didn't under, didn't know and didn't understand that Chief Joseph wanted to live in freedom. So that's when he made the decision to pack up 900 people and 2,000 Appaloosa horses and elude the Calvary for 1,300 miles. And that's what the historic Nez Perce Trail is, is this flight to freedom for the Nez Perce Indians, and they were trying to find their way um, to Canada to find sanctuary in Canada, because this shortly happened after the massacre at the Little Big uh, Little Bighorn. So, of course, mm-hmm. everybody in, in America and the military all thought that the, all the Native Americans were bad, and they all had to be eliminated, and that's why Chief Joseph oh. decided to leave and, and flee the Calvary. So there were eight battles along the way um, for survival, and uh, but the trail uh, leaves and goes through just this is just a general uh, quick synopsis for you. But it leaves Joseph, Oregon and goes through uh, the Tolo Lake near Grangeville, Idaho, up through the Muscle Shell, goes through the Lolo Pass, 
comes out near Missoula, Montana, and then drops down into Montana again, uh, further towards um, the Big Hole, which was the biggest massacre that they had with the cavalry. And then it takes uh, off through uh, Stevenson, Montana, and then into uh, West Yellowstone. It goes through wow. Yellowstone and comes out near Cody, Wyoming, and then turns north uh, through Laurel, and uh, which is a little more, just a little east of Billings, and then makes its way up to Chinook, Montana, which was 40 mile, which is 40 miles below the Canadian border. And that's where Chief Joseph finally had to surrender because they were still, even though the orders from the military were to bring the Nez Perce back and put them on the reservation, they just as soon annihilate them. So they were still trying to yeah. use sharpshooters and, 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 you know, <clears throat> eliminate them. And Chief Joseph decided at this time, it's better to surrender. What they do, what they did, excuse me, what we do in 13 years, riding 100 miles every year as a progressive ride, the Native Americans and the Nez Perce did this in three and a half months. So by the time they were 40 miles below the Canadian border, it is now, I think, October 4th, uh, the end of September, early October. And the winter had set in and now they're, you know, they're missing blankets and and food, and they just, he realized that the best thing to do is to surrender so his people could survive. And of course, mm-hmm. he surrendered under uh, a lot of lies, and that's the, the truth of it. I'm not making this up. This is what history is. They lied to them about bringing them back, and and uh, he really never made it back to his homeland. But people that did, did survive, and um, that's why they, they are commemorating his uh, flight to freedom with this trail ride. Oh, and your book, Hoofprints Across Time, is, is the story of, of your, your, your journey on this because now you're on your second, um, run of this. And <laughs> yes, I can't stop. I just love Ooh. the Native Americans and I love the trail and the people. And it's, it's a pilgrimage that people make every year to be, uh, in the spirit of the, of the past and to keep this, the history alive and, mm. uh, yeah. yeah. Well, this this leads me to Linda because Linda has done an, a great job of keeping history alive in her books too. Whether it's her travel stories and getting us to reconnect with nature, even if you're armchair traveling, um, she gets you to understand some of the people in history and like why Nani in Hawaii um, that book, um, but then also uh, her book about the equestrian explorer Isabella Bird is incredible. I mean, and also the cowgirl jumped over the moon is a great story. If you love the high Sierras and that area, which is, you know, the back door of Christie, you know, just mm-hmm. east of Christie there. Uh, but Embrace of the Wild, this book, um, you really do keep Isabella Bird's legacy alive, as does this, the community of Estes. Uh, tell us a little bit about her, because she was she was a badass. She was a badass equestrian. (laughs) (laughs) So first of all, let me just say, Christy, I would love to do that trail with you. That sounds so fantastic. But I don't think I could physically do it at this time. But um, if that changes, I'll let you know. But I could do a wildfire walk up in the sequoias with you. But, uh, yeah, I had a big thing for the Indian plight. And in uh, Embrace of the Wild, one of the things that, in my research for that book, uh, I read about the Sand Creek Massacre in Colorado, mm-hmm. and this was one that was uh, very similar to um, Chief Joseph's story. Uh, chief Black Kettle was a peace chief, mm-hmm. and um, they he they promised him peace and safety at Sand Creek, 
and they lied to him, and um, they descended upon the you know the village uh, and massacred. This time, it was very sad. They massacred the entire village, women and children, and there were a few elders that escaped, but for the most part, you know, their 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 mission was um, extermination. Yes. And that was what they were after, and that really disturbed me. So when I was in uh, writing Embrace of the Wild, which is really a story, Isabella Bird's story, uh, and Isabella Bird was, a, just so you know, she was a Victorian age woman who up until the age of 40 was declared an invalid. She oh. had all sorts of physical problems and the uh she had tuber tubercle two tu- on her tumors on her spine and they operated on her several times without anesthesia to remove oh. those tumors. Oh so she yeah, ow and so she became addicted to laudanum, which was the painkiller of the day, which is a opium extract. So anyway very sad up to the age 40, and then at age 40, she lifted herself up off of the invalid's bed and said, I'm tired of being this way. I'm going on a world cruise. And serendipitously, she ended up in Hawaii, where she saw the Hawaiians galloping across the quay with the ribbons flying and this very colorful cavalcade, and she went, oh, my God, I, I want to be with them. She went, She loved horses, and she had a, a horse named Buttons, but she'd never ridden astride. She'd ridden side saddle like, an, like a lady, a Victorian yes. lady. So she uh, wanted so much to join the Hawaiians in their ride. People don't realize that Hawaiians were great riders, horse riders. Uh, anyway, um, she ended up going up the flank of Kilauea Volcano on a horse, sitting astride, because that was the only way that uh, they would let her go up. They said, you know, you can't sit side saddle, that's stupid. <laughs> so she goes up the flank of the volcano, and even though it's a really, really rough, challenging ride, she discovers that when she's sitting up straight and her spine is aligned properly, that she does not have pain. Ah. So this just turns her whole world open, and so she uh, rides all over the Hawaiian Islands. She stays there for six months. She was only planning on staying six days, but because of the fact that she was free, liberated from this pain, she rode all over the islands through very rough riding, you know, unbelievable riding challenges through gulches and raging rivers. And, you know, just you can't imagine anyone actually really doing this, but she did. Oh, yes, I can. And then, <laughs> right? Oh, you can. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, she, I, got then, I got the picture. I got the picture. <laughs> well, I believe you do, Christy. So she then goes to Colorado and she goes to the Rocky Mountains because she had planned to have a mountain tour, and she ends up riding 800 miles solo through the front range of the Rocky Mountains. Oh, and this yeah. was in uh, late September, early into November, so it was winter, it was snow, oh, yeah. and her little feet were frozen to the stirrups. She was not a big woman. She was under five feet, but she was tough as nails. I mean, <laughs> Unbelievable. And so she uh, would just ride until she saw a light in some window in the cottage and go up to knock on the door and sleep on the floor there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just unbelievable. 
uh, and she also herded uh, feral cattle in the Rocky Mountains. So, and then um, I write about the love affair that she had with Rocky Mountain Jim there. But that's you hey, know, listen. That's there's a, always Nookie in Linda's books. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know what, without romance, what's life about? You know. <laughs> so anyhow, um, she doesn't stop there, though. She goes on to Japan and Korea and China and all these other places that I have never been, so I couldn't write about. But she not just rode horses, she rode yaks and, oh. you know, yeah. any, anything for transport. <laughs> amazing. It's a, but she's amazing, and so isn't she really revered in Estes Park oh, area? Oh, yeah, she's... She is considered to be the mother of the Rocky Mountain Park because her book, A Lady's Life in the Rockies, was a bestseller in the uh, late 1800s, in 1873, when she had that experience there. And it brought many, many, many travelers to the mountains and mm. um, still does. Still wow. does. And even they just had a celebration of her life uh, in the winter of 2023. They had all sorts of events going on to celebrate her life. And, uh, you know, she was a phenomenal woman. And um, as a, she, Rocky Mountain Jim was uh, the guardian of the mountains trying to prevent uh, overdevelopment. And so he was like an early conservationist. And she mm-hmm. was on his side. Awesome. And in her writings uh, are so loving of the mountains you know it's a spiritual uh event you know not a place to build a condo (laughs) right (laughs) it's it's, you know i i love this when you just see people that this independent spirit and i think that's what horses represent like i love bald eagles in fact i saw one yesterday we've seen a lot in oregon a lot Uh of bald eagles really lucky and I just can't pull over and take a picture because it's icy right now. But, you know, it's um, Nancy and I have always said that we need to have this. The horse should be symbolized as a national treasure, we believe, because if we're going to be the independent, the country of independence, right, Mm -hmm. that's what a horse represents. You know, when you see a horse run free or what's up and they've done so much, Christy, we've talked about that on the show for for years how much we owe horses, you yes. know, but then these people that we're talking about, Chief Joseph, Isabella Bird, both of them represent um, this inner strength of you're not clipping my wings. You know what I mean? Or they, yes. they make yes. me feel like they are horses that yes. I'm going to go. I can see their manes and their tails. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. Uh, what do you think, Christy? Would you well, like to he, see the horse be a national treasure? Because I think they are. I think every state doesn't. Don't they have a national? They have a national bird, a national flower. I think actually every state might have a national type of horse. Yeah, with, uh, I know quarter horses are for Texas and so on and so forth. But okay, um, you know the neat thing about Chief Joseph was he took it a step further. Not just, I mean, that would really liber- that's what really liberated the Native Americans was now all of a sudden realizing that horses weren't just a, f- a food source. They could help them, uh, hunt better and take them into battle and, and gave them the independence and the freedom. That's the beautiful thing about it. But Chief Joseph took it a step further and actually developed the Appaloosa breed. And when we talk right. about developing it, these just weren't horses, horses. They, they actually, uh, gelded inferior stallions and they culled, which means they sold off inferior mares. And he had in his mind 
and through the process of selective breeding, created a, a beautiful horse that was sturdy, uh, with good hooves and a good mind. They had their they had their horses living in their tents with them because these horses are very effective. <laughs> so it's just I you know I admire him for that, and that was his prized possession. Uh, were these two My guys. horse, by the way, was an Appaloosa. She was unusual. She was all white, but she on her papers it said she was a registered Appaloosa. Um, she was like about the size of a quarter horse, very sturdy, very solid little mare. And she had, she was short on legs but long on heart. And she, oh. you know, was fearless. You know, she, yes. you know, some horses can't cross water. Well, she would just go plunging on through. You know, I mean, I loved riding her. She, she yes. was so brave. You know, yes. she was such a good mare. I want to suggest um, uh, to Lisa that she get Oracle of the Sacred Horse. This was a gift to me. For Christmas, and what it is is they're reading cards, you know. But the illustrations Ooh. on the cards are just absolutely fabulous. Oh, I love that. A lot of it, a lot of them are Indian horses. Oh, you know the way they decorated their horses with feathers and mm-hmm. painted them and such. And um, I think yeah, Christy needs them the- too. Because Christy rides in the Rose Bowl parade, right? Christy, you, I don't, have you done that? Well, not the Rose Bowl. It's called the Rose Parade. So, yes, uh, Sorry. the Rose Parade four times, yes. And, oh, and, really? and, yes. and as a proper, proper decorated for Native, like. Yes, representing, traditional... representing the Native Americans who were actually in 1870s regalia. Uh huh. Well, this is a a woman named Lori Prindle, and it's Oracle of the Sacred Horse. And like I say, I mean, even if you don't read the cards, which is fun to do, you draw three cards one for the past, one for the present, one for the future. Uh, Even if you don't read your cards, you'll love the the illustration. Mm. Oh, I love that. I love that there's, I mean, it's just horses are so beautiful and, and intuitive. You know, there, I think there is a spiritual quality about them that we haven't quite gotten and some humans do, but there's this, I just think there's so much more that we still need to know about horses. Um, there's just this, I don't know, there's just this magic. And uh, Linda, did you cover your walls with horses as a kid? I just want to know because, you know, did I cover I, them? Yeah. Did you put horse pictures everywhere as a kid? Were you like oh bad no, but I drew I I drew horses. Oh, I well, drew there you horses go. a lot. <laughs> Christy, what about you? Where where did your did you start doing that as a kid with horses well, too? Yes, I had, certainly had a lot of posters. I had a, a a Briar model horse collection that was prized to me. And then uh, my my spare my spare time before I got my own horse was actually go out and I had a tree limb, and this is in in my book as well as a tree limb that was sort of shaped with a elevated horse head and a back on it and I created a bridle made my own bridle and I rode that tree that tree limb for hours and hours a day just pretending I was doing this and doing that I was sometimes I was a cowboy and sometimes I was an Indian you believe that? oh man that's so cool I love that I feel weird now I had one of those little you know Nancy made something out of a broom pony kind of thing and I'd run around the garden this was in Kenya and run around but then later got a horse and I rescued a horse a cinnabar she was part pony and oh. she she was part pony part arab and she was a dun beautiful just long mane just um and you know very small um front legs very short but a big butt she kind of looks like me in that way but we had this <laughs> <laughs> but she she taught me things that 
I, 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 sometimes I just feel like if we have enough patience and calm and really connect with your horse, the horses are going to teach you things, life lessons. What do you say, Christy? That's the number one word that you just capitalized on is the word patience. You cannot be a good equestrian. You will never really learn anything about horses unless you have patience to read them and study them, spend time with them, watch them interact and give them time to get to know you and interact with you. It takes a lot of patience uh, to train and to truly understand them. What about you, Linda? What do you think? Yeah. Well, I learned when I was a kid, you're making me think of when I was a kid and we had, I live, live next to a dairy farm and his daughters had a Morgan, a quarter horse and a pony, Shetland. And we would oh. ride, you know, like little banshees barefoot, bareback, you oh, know. Yes. So I became very adept at staying on board. Yeah. <laughs> and there was, a shet- oh. yeah, there was a little oh. Shetland, of course. We would we would flip a coin who would get to ride him because he was a mean little bugger. And yes, he would they are. Run, <laughs> run to a, 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 a cliff in the sandy river bottom where we rode stop short so that you would fly over his head and then he would try to run over you. Now, yep. <laughs> we learned a lot from this guy. But I never had, but uh, what she was saying, what Christy is saying though, when I was an adult and, you know, had a trainer and was doing all of that, agreed. The, the key word is patience. And it, it really did change because I don't have a lot of patience. So it really did force me to evolve on that level, and it was worth it. You know, it was worth it to connect. And when my mayor, um, I was so physically connected to my mayor, I didn't realize it when I had to stop writing. It was, well, as I say, I wrote that book to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And, and I want you wrote that book, but I want to go back uh, before you both leave, um, and I want to talk about Ranger with Christy. But uh, cowgirl, um, talk about that book, uh, Linda, because I, I, Nancy oh. and I both love it. It's and I, I because you really also showcase the nature and wildlife of the High Sierras, which is right. absolutely, absolutely astounding. Well, see, the thing is, is that I love the high Sierras, and when I got injured, I knew I was never going to be going back there on a horse. I, I wanted to ride solo up there. It's so gorgeous. It's just ethereal and magical. And so my little uh, protagonist, Jim C., gets, she's a Grand Prix jumper, and she gets injured, and her whole world gets turned upside down in a lot of ways, a divorce and a few other things, and uh, she ends up, going up to the Pacific Crest Trail and riding solo in the High Sierras, which is, you know, was what I would have wanted to do myself. And um, she gets injured up there. She runs into a bear. She's riding, the horse she's riding, by the way, in the mountains is my mare. (laughs) Oh. Oh. So I got my mare up there with me anyway. And uh, she's she's uh, she runs into a bear and there's an she gets into an accident. She's rescued by a lone cowboy who is fire oh. lookout. Oh, you got to have a little romance. So, uh, but one of the messages in the book with uh, Brady, the lone cowboy, who is uh, an animal lover, a horseman himself. Um, there's a message in there about how we interact with wild creatures. Yes, and 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 bear the blue the bear that attacked Jamesy is named Blue, and he was 
left alone up there. He became an orphan. He lost his mother because the helicopters were uh, flying overhead and they shot her, you know, how how they're always regulating the animals and putting, you know, uh, markers on them and counting them and all of that. So she gets, the mother is shot with a tranquilizer. Unfortunately, she doesn't wake up from it and that does happen. Mm. So Blue is in the world on his own. So Brady is uh, has an affinity for Blue, but he knows mm-hmm. he's a wild animal. So there's the interaction between Brady and Blue. It's very important. Yeah, to don't me don't don't Alaska. do spoilers. I'm I'm, I'm not the- because I'm from Alaska. <laughs> I'm waving I'm from a Alaska. flag. <laughs> and the re, you know the relationship between humans and wild animals you know the people think they're they're you know can pet them and you know run up to them and hug them well you no. can't you know you can't no. do that mm-hmm. sort of thing you know mm-hmm. absolutely not yeah so everyone again that book is the cowgirl jumped over the moon christy tell us about ranger the little horse with a big heart well, that's what he was. <laughs> the title, <laughs> explain, title explains him. It's, he had an interesting start. He was sort of uh, an orphan in a way and and um, just was a really special horse. But the, the horse wrote the book. So uh, he explains his life with humans and other animals. And um, it, basically the book starts in the womb and it ends in heaven. It's just a wonderful life story of this horse that lived to be 32 years young and his encounters wow. with all the different people in his life and other horses, and other animals. Uh, in reading this book, you'll actually learn a lot about how horses think. And I like that about Ranger. He really describes his life. So uh, you can experience uh, well, the like, joy. I'd like to read your, uh, Nez Pier- your the book about the Hoof trail. Hoof I'd Hoof like Prince. to read uh, that. Yes. That's yeah, Hoofprints. That's, that's, and then, of course, there's your best uh, uh, horse show. That's something, too. Are you still... Working that circuit, Christy? Well, oh, yes. Well, I still show and still still judge an awful lot. I, I'm uh, booked to judge a lot of horse shows throughout the year. But that's a good book to help clubs uh, just be more successful in putting on events. And sometimes they struggle. People have the enthusiasm to put on a horse show. But, gee, they just really get trapped with what to do and when to do it and how to prepare. So that's what that book was written for. So it's basically for for horse show people or anybody that's putting on an event. But then there's some really great tips in there for exhibitors so that you know how to uh, or what to expect and how to possibly enter a show and get your horse stabled at a show and if there's some good information there. So, yes, that book still, believe it or not, that's still selling a few here and there. Mm, very cool. Well, ladies, this has been a pleasure. I want to go mm-hmm. hang out with a horse. You know what? I just I love their <laughs> muzzle. I just, I like, yeah. you know, because the, you know, when they, I just want the air out of their nose. That sounds really <laughs> weird. I don't I got, know how to explain I got it. One more minute, Lisa, to tell you really quick. We were talking about yes. the spirit of the horse and I, and, and Dollar is the horse that you met. I think you rode mm-hmm. uh, when you were here and she's still alive. She's 27 years old now and she's the one that's in the book of him, Cliff Prince Across Time. And I did all 1300 miles on her, but you talk about the spirit of a horse when we were in uh, riding in West, uh, in Yellowstone. And Dollar has never seen a bison before in her life. And normally normally when an animal oh, wow. foresees another animal like a bear or a bison or anything unusual that hasn't been in their life, they get frightened. They get uh, on alert. They might even turn and try to run. And we were up on a hill looking down over a huge herd of bison or buffalo, however you want to uh, talk about them, there in Yellowstone. And she stood so still and took it all in. And there wasn't one 
trace of fear in her. And she was almost absorbing how I was absorbing the same view of of what the Native Americans did 130 years ago, looking down at the bison, which bring, which brought life to them and nourishment and helped the Indians survive. And yet Dollar realized that her ancestors, the other Appaloosas that carried the Native Americans to those hunts, it's almost like she saw her past as well, as well as I saw my past. And we just we just really connected on that mountain, looking down at bison for the very first time in our lives. Wow. Wow, it's amazing, mm-hmm. huh? I, it's riding our fun. horses, Nancy had Surtees, who was a, um, a really big Flemish cart horse. And, um, he was a, a, he, he was like a show jumping dream. He mm-hmm. had all these awards, but we were like his retirement home. Uh-huh. And then we had, you know, Cinnabar, my horse, mm-hmm. um, that I wrote every high school paper was my horse Cinnabar. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, but she was, you know, the feisty, but very abused horse. She was owned by a, um, retired man who, or policeman, former policeman who beat her up with polo sticks and all kinds of terrible things. So it was all about carrots and love and patience, right? And we would go riding, uh, we had a little mini farm in a town called Manaba on the south coast of South Africa. And, we would go riding out and I mean, we've encountered snakes, warthogs, uh, kudu, that kind of thing. And with her, it's like, uh oh, you know, like real uh ohs. And, um, when you see animals, but there's this, it's like the initial shock. And then there's this, we are all one now. Oh like it's God. really real. It's mm-hmm. like you, there is no city and, you know, I didn't really know much about city life then, but, but, um, yeah, it, it was because the animals look at you like, what are you doing on a horse? <laughs> the horse is fine, but what the hell are you doing there? You know what I mean? Yes. You human. And then you just chill out. But I remember the one time riding Cinnabar, we had this area I had to go under like a arbor kind of thing to get out, which is stupid, but it's the way the property was set up. And a boomslang snake, like if you get bitten by a boomslang, you're, you're out. Mm-hmm. And, um, it just flew because they're like good tree snakes flew right in front of her face and she reared up and she's like, we're going across country girl. Off we go. Like, she's like, that's enough of that. I'm not hanging with snakes and off we went, man. And I'm like freaking out. Cause I'm like, is a snake on us? What is it? Like what's going on? But, um, yeah, we had a snake that used to hang out with us, but, um, a lot on that property, but it's very weird to deal in monkeys and we had monkeys, vervet monkeys and diker and all these animals. And, but it's really interesting because they all have to check. There's that moment of everyone checking each other out. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. all of that. But um, yeah, horses rock. Everybody go, go hang out with some horses and in well, take lessons. You don't just get on one, right? <laughs> don't yeah. do that. Go see no, Christy. First. I want to come up to three rivers and ride on a wildflower walk with you, Christy. So I hope you will, Linda. That'd be lovely. Mm. Yeah. I'm and not that awesome. far away. No, <laughs> no. You know, yeah. LA area to three rivers is really quick and. It's gorgeous out there, you know, and you're, you're an Indian country there too. You know, there's such a big Native American presence where the Kauia Indians, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, um, so the Kumayai too, right? Or that, is that the same family? No, I don't think so. Okay. I'm getting nearby. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us here on Big Blend Radio. Again, the links are lindabaloo.author.com. And Christy, keep up with Christy Wood. Go to WDN for Wooden, right? Christy Wood. Yes. WDNhorse.com. Thank you, ladies. It's been such a pleasure. I've enjoyed this immensely. Got Thank nice you, Lisa. Nice meeting you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Big Blend Radio. Keep up with our shows at BigBlendRadio.com. <laughs>